0: Welcome back to the J.C. Boots Podcast. I'm your host, Jackson Collier. It's the second episode under the Rivals production, and the second episode sponsored by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. CJ's has locations in Fayetteville on Weddington and in Russellville on North Arkansas Avenue. Online ordering is available at their Fayetteville location, and and CJ's has been voted best burger and fries in the state. Fulfilling their motto, when all you do are burgers, they have to be the best. Our guest on this edition is a Razorback legacy and stand out in his own right. He was drafted 14th overall in the 2006 NBA draft by the Utah Jazz, where he averaged double figures through three seasons. Welcome to the show, Ronnie Brewer. How's it going, Ronnie? I'm good. How are you? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I can't complain. I get to uh, sit here and interview Razorback basketball figures, uh, so I'm having fun. Good deal. Yes, sir. So, uh, Kevin McPherson reported uh, yesterday that you were working out with Isaiah Joe to help him prepare for the, the NBA draft. So, what kind of drills are you putting him through, and what advice are you giving him dealing with the NBA draft process? Well, basically,
1: um, you continue to work on um, a guy like Isaiah Joe's Stress. so uh you first you you wanna to continue to do repetitions of him shooting the basketball. Um, you know when you get to the NBA, they do a scouting report and they, they tell your strengths weaknesses and you know, everybody's gonna know that he's a, a phenomenal catch and shoot guy. So, you know, not only do you work on catch and shoot things, um, to sharpen your, your skills, you've got to work on and improve the things. Um that you don't necessarily do. So we work on a lot of, you know, shot fake, one or two dribbles, put it on the floor. Um, We work on a lot of pick and rolls. If you look at modern day NBA, you're watching the playoffs. Um, You know, every possession, if a set breaks down, they get into a pick and roll set. Um, And the guys that really excel in that uh, play the pick and roll very, very well. Um, they, and work on your decision-making, on you know, come off a of pick-and-roll and recognizing the reads that you have to make. So that's what we're working on. We're working on, you know, finishing at the rim, floaters, step-backs, um, and things I think will help them um, and show different NBA teams um, that he's more than just a catch-shoot guy.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And you saw glimpses of that last year. Um, he had some explosiveness in his game, too, where he finished at the rim. Like, he, he had some nice dunks last year, too, that kind of caught me off guard. Um, yeah, I, I, I think a
1: lot of people, um, when you think of Isaiah DeJune, you don't necessarily think of athleticism. So you want to be able to showcase that at different times and show that he is a sneaky athletic, that, you know, he, he – if, if given a step or two, going down the lane, he can up uh, through traffic with contact. So that, that's, that's a sign that you kind of want to see uh, from Isaiah Joe at the next level. And I think that can kind of separate itself um, in the draft.
0: So what advice are you giving him dealing with the draft process?
1: Man, just try to be as prepared as possible. I mean... Um, you, you want to be confident you're confident in yourself. And the way that you're confident in yourself is that you do um, everything you need to do um, in preparation of, of the upcoming draft. You know you, you, you know that you can shoot the basketball because you put that work in the gym, um, honing uh, in on your skills. Some people, you know, you can, you can speak confidently about what to, what you could do in a pick and roll because you've been working on it. You can speak confidently about your defense because you, you're working on it. So when you're going through these interviews with these, with these organizations, you speak highly of yourself because you put the work in. And, I, and that's basically what i told him: Be confident in yourself and the way you get that confidence is put the work in and, and, and you'll see the results. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, in, in any decision he would have made would have been the right one. I think every kid's uh, dream is to play at the next level, play in the NBA. And so, you know, I, I I would want everybody to back him and support him um and wish him well just because, you know, he 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 left a legacy at Arkansas. I mean he's in the record books, uh would have probably broke a lot more records than he would have a couple more years. So, you know, I'm I'm happy for him and I, I think that, you know, he'll he'll hear his name called um uh
0: on draft night. Oh yeah, I remember uh that was just a day or two ago where on Twitter every every uh, sports media figure in Arkansas was seemingly weighing in on the whole legacy versus legendary uh, debate. Um, I didn't really understand how it was a debate when he broke the regular season record as a true freshman and was on pace to break the most made threes in a career, um, but... I would say that's leaving a, a legacy for sure, even though he was only here for two years. But regardless, Razorback fans should be happy for him pursuing his dream, and especially in this type of a situation where the world is, um, it's kind of uncertain as far as will we have a season. We want to assume there will be a college basketball season this year, but we don't know for sure. Correct. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of variables
1: that anybody can predict right now I think you'd be a a fortune teller but you know there's a possibility that there there might not be a a NCAA basketball season Um, I mean you've seen the the cancellation of um, you know college football and so you just have to assume that okay the same conferences. Are probably getting postponed basketball. And, and if they postponed basketball in conference, how can you have a, a unified March Madness?
0: Oh, exactly. I, I, I just don't think
1: that that's something that works um, or would be fair or, you know, I think that we will. I would, I would hope, but it's just too hard to tell right now. It's still super early. It's super early to make the decision about something that's months away. So for him, you know, he made the decision that, you know, the best situation is to try to put my name in, 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 in case we, we, um, experienced the worst case scenario and, you know,
0: right. And, uh, obviously th- there, there was one question I had because I think there was a, uh, a combine deadline did he is he going to miss the combine if they do have it um because of him coming back to school uh initially and then declare deciding to declare again after
1: no i, I don't i don't think that he'll, he'll miss it um you know the nba is very 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 good at you know working with people um and and uh, under the circumstances they've got to give him the benefit of the doubt if he did or would have missed it. I do him, um, you know, still participate. Um, you know, he, he's he's a guy that's on a lot of guys' radars and I think that, that the NBA, you know, organizations are going to want him to be there so they can get a look at him. And, and they do have a big on this
0: year. Was that your first time working out with Isaiah? Um, I've been around
1: Isaiah quite a bit, um, you know, just the relationship I have with his dad, Gary Joe is, you know, one of the directors of the Arkansas Hawks, the team that I played for um, as a kid. Um, and just, you know, you know, he went to Northside. My dad went to Northside and my cousin that was playing, played with him and I'd be down there a lot and, you know, be in the gym, rebound for him and just watching it. When I was at university quite uh, often, you know, you know, when Coach A was there, and even now with Coach Mutz, I've, I've, been, I've watched a lot of practice last, last year, so it's, it's, it's not the first time I've been around him, and, you know, I, I feel like every single time I, I see him, um, he gets better and better and better, um, and, it's, and his shooting strength gets more consistent and more consistent, and, and he's starting to realize um, when he does miss, he, he, he realizes why he misses, and... You know, as a as a scorer or a shooter, that's pretty impressive. Knowing that, you know, okay, I missed this one because I, you know, I had too much thumb on the basketball, or I didn't have it, I, I didn't have enough lift um, under my shot. So, um, you know, he he's a very very very
0: big prospect. Oh yeah, and him constantly getting better definitely bodes well for his chances to get drafted. So, what was it like uh, preparing for for your draft year? Yeah,
1: it was it was crazy because you know you go into it with like kind of blinded, like you you can reach um, out to people and kind of see what the experience is like or what's like what is it's going to be like, but um, you know it's, it's different than when you when when you actually experience it firsthand, and and experiencing it firsthand, you know it's 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 an awesome experience, you know, going in, be able to meet with all the general managers and owners of, of, of the organization and the head coaches and assistant coaches. Um, just to get to know those guys off off the court. Um, they're trying to get to know you as a person and relate to you as, as best as possible and it allows you to just be yourself. Um, and then like the on-court stuff is, you know, as a, basketball player and a, and a guy that has, like, you know, you have the, the dreams of making it to the NBA, like, it's one it's, in it's, it's a lifetime experience. You get to go head-to-head against the top players in the world for, for a spot to, to reach your dream. So, you know, it's kind of like the, 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 the gauntlet and, and um, you know, if you were in, in, in Rome in the Coliseum, that you know, it's it's basically every man for himself, and, and the and the, the 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 best man wins. And so you have to put your, your best foot forward and, and compete at a high level, um, because everybody who's who's at these combines at these workouts are really really good, and you know they're trying to leave their mark and their their, their first and last impression
0: on these organizations. Oh yeah, for sure. You got to stand out in all all facets of your game, on the court and off the court, just because you're competing against top-notch competitors uh, on both sides. Is the process different now than it was for you going through the entire NBA draft and all that kind of stuff? I mean, it seems like now we're in an age where there are a bunch more um, one-and-done guys, whereas you were playing college basketball. You left as a junior and were 14th overall. Um, you don't see that as often, I and mean, you still see it occasionally uh, nowadays. But you don't see it as often.
1: Yeah, you know, NBA scouts, you know, they get paid to do do a job, um, and they're very good at it. So, you know, not only do they draft people off the potential, they they draft people off, off of a resume. Um, so, to me, you know, there's always been young players drafted. It's all, you know. Dating back to when they were allowing people coming out straight out of high school, um, but um, you know, I think it's fairly the same. Um, I, you know, social media might be more prevalent now, and you know how they cover each prospect. You know, each prospect might have more uh, uh, attention just because um, that's the day of age we're right we're in right now with technology. But um, for the most part, I, I think I think it's it's pretty much the same. Um, you know, guys are you know the whole process is, is the same. They're trying to you know you inside and out, and, and the competition level is really really high. And you know, uh, they do a really good, good job at the NBA of you know, finding finding the formula that works, and they, and they stuck with it.
0: So, obviously, you were invited to the actual draft, so you had to be at least somewhat aware uh, that you were going to go in the first round or at least had a good idea that you would be um, being invited. Um, but were you aware at all of how high you'd be drafted, or is it still pretty much a surprise to go 14th overall? The, the, the night of the
1: draft is, is hectic, and it's, everything is a surprise. You know, literally up until the the... The second you get picked, I mean, there were times where, you know, during the, um, the draft, they they'd make a, a team would make a pick. My agent would get a call they'd hand me the phone when the like during a commercial when the cameras weren't on us, and literally start asking me questions, Q and A me right then and there. And so it's like, you know, super it gets super serious thing because it's like. You know, am I giving the right answer? Am I giving the wrong answer? But you, you do have an idea that you're going to get picked in the first round because they, they wouldn't have invited you if you weren't. But um, it, it gets pretty uh, hectic and nerve, like nerve wracking because you
0: don't know your to the today. And you obviously had a really productive career in Utah, especially your second and third years. Uh, you started every single game but one in those two years averaged 13 points a game led the team in steals Um, and growing up I was a massive hog fan and um, you were actually the first person uh, first Razorback player that I watched it was like holy cow how did he do that Um, so I would always search for your highlights as soon as I saw you get drafted and one of the videos I came across when I was young uh, was Darren Williams being asked mid season about you being yeah. traded and he was he was very hurt and dejected and, and the team seemed hurt and Darren Williams even called you a little brother in that uh in that little segment. Um what went through your head when you found out that you were being traded? Well, well um
1: you know you, you, you kinda you quickly find out that you know it's it's not about basketball. It it, it's, it becomes about business, um, and you know that's not uh, relevant in, in, at any point in time uh, until that that exact time, because um, like you know, starting all the games, um, you know, like you said, leading the team in steals. You know, know, playing alongside some all-stars, still contributing at a high level. You know, you think that, okay, well, my job security is super safe. You know, I'm doing exactly what they want me to do. You know, the coach loves me. You know, uh, I'm somebody he can count on um, down the stretch. And, um, you know, I have a really good relationship with, with, with the community up there, the fans. And then, you know you have a meeting with the head coach and, you know, he comes out and he says, you know, hey, Brewer, booze, you know, y'all need, y'all need to start playing more freely. Like, y'all are, y'all are worried about getting traded. Like, we're not going to trade you. And, um, <laughs> you know, literally an hour and a half later, we, we, we board the board the flight. And right before I'm about to take off, I get a call from my agent. Like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, hey, I'm about to board the plane headed to, to – um, Oakland to play Golden State. And, you know, it tells me, hey, I mean, you, you got that plan. Um, Because, you know, Kevin O'Connor just traded you to the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Memphis Grizzlies want you to be there tonight so you can get your physical um, so you can play tomorrow. And I was like, well, what, what, what? And so, that was shocking because, like, nobody saw it coming. You know, the coach just said that when he didn't trade it and, you know, how much he believed in me and that, you know, I need to play more freely because – I'm not, we're not going anywhere, and, and then you know a little bit later you, you, you hear you, you're traded. So I, I think everybody was was shocked. Um, you would think that you know if you trade one of your starters, um, that that's a, a really good contributor uh, and a great team player, um, that you would at least get a piece back or or do something. But you know it, it was all about money and, uh, and not keeping the, the core group of guys together, and, and you know, they were going in different directions. So that was okay with it. We, we ended up going to Chicago, meet Kyle, and Booz, you know, called each other and was like, hey, man, let's team up again. I
0: think this is a really good opportunity, and I think it worked out pretty well for us all. Looking back at that roster, I mean, that was a loaded Utah roster too. I mean, that had – That was Darren Williams in his prime that had you averaging 13 points a game and two steals a game as a starter. That had AK-47, Carlos Boozer. I mean, that that team had a lot of talent. Yeah, Mehmet Kerr,
1: who was was an all-star while we were there. So we had some guys. I mean, it's it's not like we didn't have a good team. We had a good team that was making the playoffs. We we went to the Western Western Conference Finals. Um, one year, we did a group. Um, you know, we had young guys like, and, and you know, myself and Paul staff developing, CJ Miles developing, um, Wesley Matthews. Um, you know, we had Eric Maynard at one point. So, uh, so we, Khalil Facinco, uh, Costa Koufos. We, we had we had some nice pieces to go alongside our team, and so we thought, you know, hey, you know this year is going to be our year that we, you know, we get over that hump and, and we, we knock the Lakers off or this is going to be a year that, you know, we beat the Spurs and, you know, unfortunately that never happened. But I mean, a lot, I mean, a lot of NBA teams say that that, that that didn't happen for them. They didn't, they didn't beat the Lakers. They did beat the Spurs. Um, you know, they, they had a nice little dynasty going for a while. So um, it was just unfortunate. And, I, th- I, I really think that if the Jazz could do it all over again, they would, I think they would have played their cards
0: a little differently. Oh, yeah, for sure, because I, I guess you, you had mentioned them wanting money, uh, wanting to figure some things out with the money with having all that talent, but at the same time, if you have the talent there already, wouldn't you try to go ahead and just push forward with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the crazy thing about you know um, pro sports. You know, you... you some teams are willing to keep their players around and develop them. Some are like, you know, have a short, short leash and don't want to expand it and, and see what happens. And you never know. You never know um, how it's going to turn out. And, and you know, that, I think that's what makes you know being a GM so difficult because you know you you got you've kind of got the whole organization in your hands, and it's kind of up to you to build. Uh, a product that's good
0: enough to to be successful right and you never quite had that same level of success as you did in utah you you averaged 13 plus points a game for two seasons in utah and i think the season that you ended up getting traded you were still averaging 10 points a game so your production didn't drop off at all hardly at all Yeah. um but you kind of went through Memphis and um, Chicago and these other places. You were still producing. You were averaging six, seven points a game in fewer minutes. Still, still an efficient player. Still defensive-minded, averaging a steal and a half or so per game. Um, how do you go about staying in the league that long? Like that, You, you were in the actual NBA for nearly a decade. And then you you stayed in the G League after that for a good bit, um, kind of as a Whoa. as a journeyman. But I mean, you you were producing. You you got to find your
1: niche. And you know, Coach Lone basically came to me and was like, "Hey, man, we you look at our roster. We've got you know guys are max guys. We've got guys are all stars. We've got guys score the basketball. What what are you willing to do to to get on the court?" you got to find something that you do better than uh, the other people that's on the court. Anybody who is a lockdown defender. So I started trying to lock down and defend the best I possibly could. And now, once I started doing that, you know, Coach Sloan, you know, started having a, a sense of, you know, confidence with me. And, um, you know, it allowed me to, to you know, Play longer. and then you know, it, it became, like, you know, my calling point. Right? If you need to, like, get a, get a stop or you need somebody to contribute, and the I mean, you know, Ronnie's Ron is that guy. And so, um, and I took pride in it, took pride in defense. And, you know, I, I think I had, you know, coaching staff at all the places I played that, you know, I was somebody that was dependable that they could count on. And so, you know, that was that was coming in me that you know all the hard work paid off. That you know people have confidence in me, and you know, I like to put me in
0: these situations to, to succeed. When you were in Arkansas, you still averaged two and a half steals per game. And I mean, obviously, di- completely different level of competition between the college game and the NBA game. And you were obviously six seven, really long, playing a, a wing position uh, in college but you still managed almost to match your steal per game stat in the NBA by the time you were starting at Utah. Um, How did you make that adjustment on the defensive, or was it much of an an adjustment on the defensive side of the ball? Um, Did it take more uh, work to get better in the NBA, specifically defensively? Was it more length in college, or were you always a good defender? How, How does that work? Were your stats lined up almost identically?
1: Talk to my coaches. You know, Arkansas. They would. They would. They would say, "You know, you know, well, where did this lockdown defender come from?" Because in college, you know, you wasn't school a school lockdown defender. But I used to tell the coaches, "Like, hey, I'm, I'm a I'm a uh, position defender. Like, if I'm always in the right position, like that makes me a great defender. And so I was always taught, you know, to be in help, uh to rotate over, you know." Everybody, all all the defense should be on a string. If one player moves, the whole defense is supposed to shift and move. And that's basically what I did. And you know, you know, I got got taught by some really good coaches at a young age, and was able to read the passing lanes and get steals. And I did it in college, and and you know, it it translated well into the pros. And you know, it's something that just came about being at the right place at the right time. Um, And I tried to do that as much as I possibly could.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, hell, and that's one thing. Talking about Isaiah Joe earlier, um, he is a great rotation defender. He he always gets on the on the help side and draws a bunch of charges. I think the past two years, his his only two years with the team, I think he led them in charges taken. Um, because of that, um, he's not he's not somebody who people might look at and say, "Oh, he's a great on ball defender." Um, but I think his talent in reading the offense on the defensive end uh, makes him a good defender. And I think he's a better on ball defender than people give him credit for.
1: I think so too. Um, I I think that his, his defense is um, uh, underrated. I think he's usually in the right place at the right time, uh, more times than, than not. And, um, you know, that's, that's a testament of, you know, good basic fundamentals. And, you know, some people, you're not asking them to go out there and stop making that score a point, but, you know, you're just asking them to do a job um, being good help defense and, you know, rotate and talk and communicate. And that's, that's just, I mean, that's, that's just, you know, effort. You know, you know I think that He's a guy that puts forth the effort on defense, and, and, uh, and I think that he should get more uh, recognition um, than what he does uh, when it comes to being in the right place at the right time on the defensive end.
0: So now back to you. Uh, you're coaching now. You're an assistant yeah. at your alma mater at Fayetteville High, and you're the coach of the Woods Elite 16 U team. Um so what made you get into coaching? Well, you
1: know, basically, you know, I've always been a guy to get back to my community. Um, I started the Ryan Griff Foundation in officially 2008. But 2006 is when we first started doing our, our uh, basketball camps. Um, and, um, and it was just something that you know, it was dear to me that you know, I wanted to do to, you know, make a difference uh, in my community. Uh, so we, we, we've been doing a lot of different uh, uh, ventures to the community, through my foundation. And then uh, one of my really co- good close friends, uh, Brad Stamps, uh, got named the head coach at Philadelphia High School. Um, he was actually my seventh grade coach, uh, my eighth grade coach. And then he was assistant when I was in ninth grade, and then he, he moved up to the high school, and he was an assistant my 10th, 11th uh, grade year, uh, and 12th grade year. And so, um, you know, he reached out to me, asked me if I wanted to come on board, and then I also hired Nick Babin, he was actually my mentor growing up, um, I was here in Fayetteville, and he kinda, it, was, it was just, it was meant to be, you know, my alma mater, you know, I the records at that school, and... Know, be able to get into coaching and be able to get back to the youth and and and, and you know help them um, reach and achieve the goals they want to do in life on and off the court um, and then you know give the opportunity to, to uh, be able to coach the Arkansas woods elite and be able to you know put these kids on a platform that they deserve um, with the with the intention to try to get them more you know, and free education. A lot of these kids wouldn't wouldn't be able to go to college. Um, if it was just out of academics, or if it was off of a purely if they could afford their family could afford to, to pay college tuition. So this is kind of like the last resort. So like that's the approach that you have to take. So I put my home in the coaching, uh, and I try to be the best coach and mentor I possibly
0: can for these students. Um, to try to reach their goals. Well, my next question was going to be if you had any interest in becoming a college coach at some point, but I, I guess you kind of answered that with all your passion you have for helping these younger kids. Well, well,
1: any opportunity that comes away, I would have to look at it and take it serious. You know, um, Am I saying I'm going to be a high school coach my whole career? No. Am I going to be an AU coach my whole career? No. Um, if a college came out and, you know, It had to be the right situation to to make the move, absolutely. Um, And and you can say that in in any job or any opportunity. Like, if it's the right opportunity for you um, as a person and for your family, you have to, you know, make the best decision that's for you. Um, But that goes with anything in life. So, um, you know, who knows? You know, know, I just want to continue to work on my craft, continue to get better, and continue to do, like, the things that I'm doing and, and having the reach that I have with these young student athletes, you know if I'm if I'm going to do it, I want to do it the right way um, and be the best I possibly can, and, and that's what I'm trying to do.
0: Your dad was a Razorback legend. You're a Razorback legend. What did it mean to wear the same uniform as your dad and play for your state? Um,
1: it it a lot, actually. Arkansas the best way you possibly can. You know, when I made the decision to to attend Arkansas, you know, you know, I didn't necessarily feel like I had large shoes to fill. Uh, I just knew that, you know, I was going to put my best effort in being the best player I could possibly be. And, you know, I was going to the competition and matter had to work. And, you know, I just happened to have a good career here, um, but I took a lot of pride, you know, not only what it said on the front of the jersey, you know, the Arkansas Razorbacks, but you know the last name and the number. I wanted to re- wear that and represent uh, the correct way, um, and it was more, more. You know, I took more pride, you know. It, it says Arkansas, but I, I took more pride being from Fayetteville you know, and coming to your home university, being able to play in front of your friends and your family. Your, your your former mentors, you know, people that you went to church with, uh, coaches. I mean, you able to see those guys on the stands um, and be able to know deep down inside that, you know, you did everything you possibly could um, to, to represent Fayetteville and, and to make the people from Fayetteville proud and, and, and hopefully everybody in the state of Arkansas proud as well.
0: I can tell you from experience, you made pretty much everybody in the state of Arkansas proud. <laughs> you you turned many, uh, you turned an entire generation into rabid Razorback fans. Uh, myself being one of them, um, you were the first Razorback player that I remembered watching growing up. I was born in 1996, and I think you okay. you committed and started playing in 4 to 6 I believe. Mm-hmm. So I was. 8 to, to 10 years old or 8 to 11 years old watching you play and those are my first memories of, of Razorback basketball do you have a favorite memory or a favorite moment while you were at Fayetteville um
1: I mean it could be too, like my first my first with my teammates set up
0: of sutton and richardson and obviously uh returning razorback basketball to that sort of a level what are your thoughts on the current staff and the direction they're taking the program
1: uh you know i'm i'm, I'm very pleased at where the state the program's at I, I think it's in very good hands with coach Moss. um you know i think he rubs the people um outside of arkansas um the wrong way as far as coaches, and that's to me, that's awesome So that means that you're doing something right if, if, if you're getting attention from all these other people. Uh, I, I know that um, young athletes uh, are intrigued by him because you know, um, you know, not as he talks to talk, he walks to walk, and you know, he's been that and he's coached at the highest level. Um, yeah, you know, can't, you, can't, you can't tell a student athlete about uh, the NBA, or potentially going to the NBA, if um, you don't know that much about the NBA, and so um, he he is um, doing a great job, a great job, and um, you know I, I think that it's only going to get better, and I think he's consistently. Um, son, bigger and better recruits, and you know uh, I I lot to say that you know you'll see a national championship uh, coming come Arkansas's way just because uh, the preparation, or uh, the the uh, attention to detail, um, the way that he's changing the culture and um, uh, you know his social media presence. He's more in tune with uh. Society, what's what's going on right now? So, as as a, as a fan, you know, to know that he's reaching, he's hitting the the the, 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 the student athletes that um, can relate to him. It's that's that's always positive, an and I think that's going to allow him to to turn the corner and be one of the elite coaches while he's
0: here at Arkansas. All right, so everybody listening to this, you heard it here first. Ronnie Brewer said Musselman's Muscle, going to win a national championship at Arkansas, just for what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> I, I completely agree with that, though. I really do think with the talent that he brings in, his coaching style, um, his philosophy of the game in general, um, I just think players will love playing for him, and players will continue to come who want to – Get to the NBA. Who want to better themselves, and we'll keep seeing better and better recruits coming through the program. And, and,
1: and his, his 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 philosophy and his um kind of blueprints of success is a lot different than a lot of coaches in the United States too. You know, he's more intrigued by you know grad transfers. He's more intrigued by JUCO guys. These are these are already ready-to-go guys that prove themselves at at a high level. You know, you mix those guys in with some young guys, um, and your culture just continues to grow and get better. And, you know, that's what I see that he's doing. Like, he's consistently good, you know, high recruiting classes because, again, he relates with the guys coming out of high school, and he also likes to he in Jinco transfers who want to make it to the NBA. You know, they got one year or two years of and, and they and all they want to do is just make it. And so, um, I feel like that, that blueprint for success is a good one. Um, and he's going to continue to do it, and I think
0: he's going to continue doing it. I think he definitely will continue to follow that same blueprint. I think he will continue to win. I I at least hope so. (laughs) And uh, hopefully we see, um, if there is a season, hopefully there is a season, knock on wood, uh, we see a big step from year one to year two because according to many Razorback fans, and again, myself included, he, he really exceeded expectations in his first year. And so I'm I'm excited to see what he can do year two and onward.
1: Yeah, I I think that he brought a lot of excitement back to you know race back fans. Uh, His his intensity on the sideline, his passion for the game, and and for helping his players uh, is, is second to none. And so you know to to see that, to see how many games they won, and then to dissect. Okay, well, you know. Our 2nd best player was hurt the of the year or was playing injured the of the year. Still won 20-plus games. Um, and then I signed the, a top-ten recruiting class in the country. And up until this week when Isaiah Joe announced that are on Pro, you, you've got uh, a returner, you know, SEC player of the year on your roster. And you're sitting really, really pretty. And so, uh, you know, you 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 can't knock or give him a bad grade of, of, of what he's done so far. You know, I think that he's, he's exceeded everybody's expectations. I think that he, to me, that point in I don't think that he's, he feels like he's anywhere close of uh being done or or uh, accomplishing um, what he wants
0: to accomplish. I think that's part of why he's going to be so successful is because he knows that he's not even close to getting to where he wants the team to be yet. Mm-hmm. Well, Ronnie, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. I'm going to let you go now. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I really appreciate you hopping on and talking pretty much everything about your career and Razorback basketball and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no problem, man. That's